have audio. Hey, hey everybody. Uh, welcome to this slapdash recording of the Media Boat Podcast. Oh, uh, we always do a slapdash <laughs> recording of the Media Boat Podcast. So, you may have seen our tweet that went out uh, before recording this podcast uh, tonight. But today is Wednesday, um, sept- or, wow, October. October the 9th, 2019, the time where we would usually do a live show for you guys. But thanks to Apple's wonderful macOS Catalina update, it knocked out the two uh, softwares that we usually use to record and uh, uh, live record this podcast. So thus, uh, we kind of had to go back to the drawing board and figure something out, but we're back up at least in recorded form for you. Hopefully this will work out. Hopefully you'll be able to hear our fine voices today. And uh, by next week, we'll figure out an alternative, and we'll be back live streaming. I do see waveforms, so that does mean yeah. something is being recorded. Something is recording, which is better than what Audacity was giving us earlier. So, good so, news, yeah. nonetheless. So, uh, you may be wondering who these lovely voices are. Hi, yes, this is the Media Boat Podcast, like I said up top. If you're not familiar with what we are, we are a podcast that's dedicated to giving you the newest news and thoughts about media, and that includes movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. You always do that. I always do that. Yes. And, uh, yeah, my name is Matt, his name is Mike. I'm Mike, he's Matt, we are in audio form, but normally, if you want to catch us in video form, we go live at YouTube, except when things break, (laughs) like they do today. Right. But like I said, hopefully by this time... Wednesday of next week, we'll have figured out an alternative for you, and we'll be back streaming. But for now, uh, let's do a classic recorded show, and we only start these podcasts with the wonderful movies section, and we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. All right, so we had one release this past weekend. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, it's your number one, as we expected it to be, Uh, but not only was it number one, it broke... October premiere records. Your number one movie, of course, was Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix uh, movie that everybody's been talking about. Some people talking about before the movie even came out. In fact, uh, the talk of the town on the internet here. Uh, yes. Yeah, that was a lot of people one. went walking to the theater Ha-ha. to see this. Joaquin, you could say, uh, to the tune of ninety-three point five million dollars in its first weekend. Again, uh, record for uh, October debuts. Uh, record for R-rated film also debut in October. Yeah. Well, didn't Venom say it last year? And then yeah, I think this just yeah. walked right over Venom's totally. Yes, it did. So yeah, uh, you saw Joker. I did. Let's get to the top five first yeah. because well, I have a lot to talk about Joker. Circle back to Joker in a moment. Uh, but the rest of the top five is interesting as well. Number two, Abominable, your Yeti movie. Yet again. Yeti again, with another $12 million, adding to a $37 million total, dropping down from number one last week. Number three, Downton Abbey, the movie, $8 million, adding to its $73 million total. Hustlers, hanging in there, $6 million, adding to a $91 million. That will crawl across the $100 million line. Uh, will Maybe? a stripper crawl across the $100 million That's line? That's not a thing. It is a stripper crawl, is it saying? Stripper crawl is not a thing. It chapter two. It chapter two. Yeah. Strip maybe a strip club crawl. Yes. That's a thing. That's a thing. Do that someday. 
number five, it chapter two rounds out the top five. Another five million dollars. A lot of fives in that sentence. Uh, that's at two hundred and two million dollars. Knocking out of the park. Also, a lot of twos in that sense. Yeah, for sure. Knocking out of the park for money for that that movie. Made more than enough money. That's your top five. All right. Uh, before we get to your thoughts about Joker, we'll just say real quick: upcoming releases for this weekend. All the rest of the movies come out. By that I mean the Adams Family, something for the whole family. The animated Adams Family film. Uh, also, Will, uh, Will Smith and Will Smith in Gemini Man. I might see this on the sole basis as directed by Ang Lee. So, okay. there has to be something Didn't in there that. quite worth it. And a high-strung free dance. What is high-strung free dance? That is a dance movie where you get high-strung to watch some free dance. Do you actually know? I have no idea, but it said wide release. And is this a separate movie, or is this also a movie? Jexy. That is a separate movie. What is Jexy? Jexy is a com... Is her uh-huh. the comedy. So it's like Siri... Like an AI assistant. Yes. But Jexy? Yes, it's called Jexy. Uh-huh. It stars Adam Devine. Oh, think that's all you need to that's say. That's all I need to say. No, thank you. Moving like on. I say, it's her the comedy. Oh, gross. If you... Thought her was not a comedy in the first. It was not a comedy. (laughs) It was not. I don't know. Maybe comic moments. It started Walking Phoenix. Speaking of Walking Phoenix, we have a theme here. Speaking of Walking Phoenix, we have a theme here. Tell me, tell me, oh, will you tell me about Joker? Okay, Joker, starring Walking Phoenix, directed by the director of The Hangover, the same guy who brought us Ken Jeong's junk. Yeah. Gives us Joker. Yeah. That's a fair intro. Uh, okay, so Joker. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie. It stars Walking Phoenix. Uh-huh. Uh, how do I put this lightly? <laughs> I'm conflicted on the movie. Yeah, okay, alright. I'm very conflicted. I feel like many people are. Well, I'm maybe differently conflicted. Okay. Because I've seen people on the internet... Praise this movie, saying this is a great film, easily Oscar winner, give Joaquin Phoenix that Oscar nom. Yeah, people are talking about this thing as if it might win Best Picture, which is insane to me. Exactly, considering (laughs) what do you think it's going up against currently? (laughs) Avengers Infinity War? No. (laughs) Avengers Endgame? My bad. Yeah, wrong wrong year. Wrong year. Uh, Yeah, I don't even know. Exactly. The movies that are coming out for Oscars... That will win the Oscar out are not out yet. It's a wait. Even the Irishman, which has been right. as we've been covering yeah. this entire year, and we'll get to later. And we'll get to later. Is not out yet. So yeah, who who the hell knows? Right. So the fact that you know everyday common folk who just happen to see who happen to see this film are saying this should immediately like be nominated and wins. Like, well, <sighs> okay. But, you know, that's a very short list of what you're going up against currently. Yeah. So. So, is it, is this that movie? Is, do you think that it's, the quality is up? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, This is what brings me to the, my duality on this film. All right. 
Let me praise the hell out of this thing first. Okay, okay, yeah. Let's get some positives, and then we can go into the negatives. Okay, by praising it, I mean this thing looks and feels like a Martin Scorsese film without it being a Martin Scorsese film. Just what it was going for. Yes, it has definitely a lot of influences from Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, not only in just the way it's shot, but also in its storytelling ability. Yeah. This thing looks great. The characters and the whole feel of the city of Gotham is fantastic. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix himself literally drives this movie. I can see him getting that nomination based off his acting performance because it is an acting tour de force. Okay. Basically, he needed to be that good at this film in order for it to be a good film. He needed to sell the Joker mental um, frustration he goes through. Yeah. That whole, uh, what, what do you call it? I, I don't want to call it a disability, but there's a, there's a certain term for it. Like a psychosis almost. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like something traumatic has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, though, he's got it. And he delivers it in his acting performance from the first time we see him to the very end. He is basically is this film. Yeah. And you I have would to, hope because that's basically why this exists. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's definitely a film I would suggest worth going to see. For his acting alone. Uh-huh. It is that good. I do think people are praising this film because he, Joaquin Phoenix, is that good in this film. Which, was the last time we saw him in something like this? Her? Maybe. And yeah, that was ages ago at this point. That was... A decade ago. Almost 20, a decade. Almost, that was 2010, almost I think. a decade ago. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. That was almost a decade ago. Yeah. And then he kind of like left and went... Uh, like super beard, right? Yeah, then he did the whole... Like, look at me now, this yeah. is me or something. Document- right. Documentary. Where, yeah, it wasn't really clear what he was doing. So, yeah. It's been a while since he's been in a starring vehicle. Right. Um, also, do note that back in 2012, when they were casting for Doctor Strange... They were legitimately courting Walking Phoenix to play Doctor Strange at the time. Yeah. And the reason he didn't get the part is because they would have had to put him on all these press tours. They had Walking Phoenix <laughs> at one of the at San Diego Comic-Con during one of the uh, big press junkets to basically show him this is what you're going to have to be doing. And then either Walking Phoenix or someone at Marvel realized Wait, do we really want him, the guy who just did the whole beard right. beard thing on David Letterman, <laughs> to be anywhere near a Marvel film? And if at one point walk off set because he doesn't like the direction, I could see a brand like a brand like issue there. Yes, like well, he's he's too much of a risk, and that's why we got Benedict Cumberbatch off of yeah, it. Yeah, much less of a risk. Yes, <laughs> pretty safe. Yeah, pretty safe there. Uh, but yeah, I think that whole backstory that we know going into Walking Phoenix definitely plays a role in here because you can see that through his character. 
And like I said, he is the driving force of this thing. Yeah. Uh, cinematography is great. I expect that thing to be nominated. Production design, great. I expect that to be nominated. Like, in terms of cinem- cinema, the film, Yeah. this thing, the Joker. Craft. In terms of craft here. Yes. Yeah, they did a good job. It's a good job. I like what they did. They definitely nailed everything they're going for here. But. Oh, yes. Huge butt on an asterisk here. All right, all right. We got a huge butt coming in. All right. Joaquin Phoenix, huge ass. I was going to say, someone called up Sir (laughs) Mix-a-Lot. You like big butts. And I cannot lie. Cannot lie. This script is bothering the hell out of me. (laughs) That's one way to put it. Okay, so yeah. Well, I remember even hearing hearing early on, like when the plot started getting revealed and people were talking about what this thing was going to be, mm-hmm. what the story was actually going to be told about. I was rolling my eyes, and a lot of people are on the internet were rolling their eyes, and especially when, as I kind of obliquely referenced last week, that the director said some real dumb things about the state of comedy and the state of film. Where he was basically saying, it's like, oh, I can't make the movies I used to make because people are so, so picky and so PC out there in the world. Basically, dogpiling on top of the conversation that was already happening about comedy in the last couple weeks. It didn't make it look good, and it definitely didn't make the story that this film was going to take, like, like the, the story that this film was going to tell, sound any more promising. Mm, no. No. No, he didn't. So he was not. So basically, he wasn't able to 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 be convincing here. Well, I don't know. He convinced someone because yeah. people went and saw it. Yeah, no. Have Ninety-seven million dollars. Definitely true, but like it seems like it was not successful to you. It's so. It was very successful to me. Up until the last 10 minutes, where it took what I thought I knew about the story Uh and basically shat it all over my face. (laughs) Okay. And that's me putting it lightly. (laughs) Politely. All right. Okay. So, I've had this conversation with your roommate. Uh I've had this conversation at work with several people. Uh I've had this conversation quite a lot. Uh And... The one thing I keep going to back to on this story is consisting of two questions. Okay. Well, it's two statements followed by two questions. Cut it. I'm going to propose this to you as well. Okay. I'm ready. All right. The Joker is crazy, correct? Uh, that is okay. the understanding that I have about the character. Correct? Okay. Yes. The Joker basically lives in Arkham Asylum. He is denounced as yeah. insane. Correct? Yes, that is why he is locked up. Because he does things that to the layman would be seen as insane and harmful to society. Correct. Okay. That is my understanding of the Joker character. Would you (laughs) trust anything the Joker says? Well, by definition, what I know about the character is that he just revels in chaos and everything he does is to create more chaos because he doesn't believe in any that anything has meaning. So, no, I would not trust anything that the Joker says. Okay, I'm glad you said that. So I passed the test, I guess. So you passed the test, (laughs) or you basically just established that (laughs) the Joker is crazy and you don't believe anything he says. That is the character of the Joker by definition, as far as I know. Okay. Not having read 
you know, all sorts of, you know, comics that may say otherwise. Right. That's that's my layman's understanding. Okay. My single question that I've been posing to people is, why then should I believe this story being told to me? Right. Right. Or why do you believe this story being told to me? Is the story, like, explicitly told by the Joker? Is he the narrator, per se? Is it from his perspective? Everything... Or is it an omniscient perspective? No, everything is okay. from his perspective. So, there yeah. is no dramatic irony in this film. So you do have to Everything ask. we know is given to us from the Joker, who we, as we've recently established right yes, now... exactly. ...is himself an unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. So you're establishing that right now. It's like, so, so nothing... It's not clear whether... All of this is to be taken at face value since it's being told by an unreliable narrator. Right. And so that then poses the question that I keep posing people is, if he's an unreliable unreliable narrator, which we have just established, Mm -hmm. and you don't believe anything he said, which we have just established, what is the point of the film? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. Who knows? But you can ask that about literally every piece of storytelling with an unreliable narrator to be fair to be fair I do bring this up with other people as well yeah I bring up Fight Club right I bring up Inception right I bring up Memento right I bring up American Psycho yes there are a lot of examples of this yeah yes you can even bring up to, to expand beyond film you can even bring up the entire collected works of Kanye West there are a lot of examples. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of examples of unreliable narrators that are telling a story that, yeah, we the, the audience should question whether or not we should have empathy for these characters. Well, I'm not talking in terms of empathy. I'm talking in terms of what's being told to us. Because right. in those four films that I gave examples of right now, yeah, each one of them at least sets rules within its own universe and then explains to us what it what is real at least in three of the four not yeah. American Psycho because at the end it's like wait <laughs> right. huh what was that all just in his head then was it all just a and, fantasy and you could argue to a certain extent that's how Fight Club is too where it's like they wait until the end to basically shatter your yes belief. but at least like, at, like well at, sorry maybe this wasn't what you thought it was yes but at least in Fight Club you have a more than 90% definitive ending on it. Yeah, yeah. You have a pretty good idea by the end of that thing that it probably didn't happen. Right. (laughs) As for the Joker... It's played straight. It's played straight until the end where it says, oh, by the way, this wasn't real. Oh, by the way, even the beginning, they show fantastical elements of how the Joker character, or how Arthur, uh, how Joaquin Phoenix's character would have liked things to play out. His delusional fantasy being played out in front of us. Okay. And there is no cue, at least in my first viewing, there is no cue to basically tell the audience that this is fantasy. You're just supposed to know it. This is reminding this is reminding me of a conversation we had about a very drastically different movie. La La Land. Remember yes. the end of La La Land where yes. they do the dream sequence that doesn't immediately tell you it's a dream sequence, but eventually you realize it's a dream sequence? Yes. And basically it's this aspirational reliving of the entire events of all the movies, except reset where it was a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I remember you didn't like that part either. <laughs> 
I get what you're saying now about it feels like you don't have investment in the story when it starts to unravel itself. Yes. Basically, the the, the, the yarn is being pulled, where it's basically like, okay, wait, wait, you're starting to tell me that certain aspects of the story you just told me aren't true. So, yeah, if you start pulling that thread, it's the whole thing is going to come apart. And that's what you're saying has happened to you. Except that in the very beginning, like ten minutes into it, it shows us a fantastical scene saying yeah. that, hey, this guy is clearly an unreliable narrator because... He lives in his own fantasy world of how he would like yeah. things to happen. Isn't that a... Speaking of Scorsese, though, to bring Scorsese back, isn't that a Scorsese trope? Yes. So... That is literally in The King of Comedy. Do you think Phillips is doing that just because Scorsese did it, and it maybe isn't actually thinking about the dramatic implications? No. I believe that this thing is basically <laughs> a retelling of King of Comedy yeah. in a DC film. So what? So why? Why do it? Be just to show off? I think so. <laughs> I think just to just say, to I, say I could, I can, I can do make it? a Scorsese esque yeah. film with the Joker. I am no longer I am no longer Todd Phillips, the Hangover guy. Right. He, I am now Todd Phillips, the Scorsese yeah. light. He was director. trying to pull an Adam McKay. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much explicitly what Adam McKay did. Right. To make a Scorsese esque film. Right, which Todd Phillips, before he did that hangover, yeah. directed another comedy starring Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. I remember thinking that was okay when I saw it back I thought in it was... 2004 or whenever yeah, it came when out. Yeah, when it came out. Saw that with my dad. I thought it had good It was all right. Movies. It was okay. A lot of cocaine in that movie. Yes. <laughs> A lot of Snoop Dogg in that movie, too. Snoop Dogg in that movie. Uh... Explain yeah. where the cocaine came from. <laughs> no, no, he's, no, he's a weed guy. I don't I think know. he does coke. He, he knows his grass. He, he definitely does. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it seems like yeah, it seems like maybe the problem here is that the story is maybe not a worthwhile one to tell. At least he didn't. Well, that's the thing, though, that if it was like a definitive Joker origin, like this is clearly what happened. This is clearly how he evolved yeah. into this chaotic madman. Right. I would have accepted it more. But because yeah. it tried to do a twist ending that basically threw uh-huh. the rest of what we had like the whole two hours that we had invested in this film basically said, yeah, like you liked all that, right? Well, maybe some of it wasn't actually there. Ooh, yeah, twist! That sounds frustrating to me. Yes. What it sounds like. It's just like, why did I watch this movie? Right. Well, because, like, if you're going to do it like that, I, I can see, like, The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Where that was a perfect twist pulled off because right. we that wasn't so much an unreliable narrative yeah. rather than an unreliable yeah. sequence. The best twists are the ones that don't make you regret watching the movie you just watched. Yes. The best twists are the ones that make you want to rewatch the movie knowing that the twist is going to happen so that way you can see the hints all that the like the breadcrumb trail that would lead you there. Sixth Sense is a great example of that because you can rewatch the Sixth Sense knowing that Bruce Willis isn't real. Spoiler for a 1999 movie. Uh, and then be able to watch it with new eyes and be like, oh, I can gain something that I didn't know before because I know the twist is happening. Right. And this doesn't have that. This doesn't have that. that. Well, mainly because 
I saw that twist coming a mile away. Yeah. I saw his interaction, like, as soon as it established that he has these fantastical delusions that right. he lives in, I was like, okay, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. First 10 minutes, you're telling me unreliable narrator. Yeah, you're, you're just like, all right, checking out. And then I was like, anymore. okay. Yeah. One, it's an unreliable narrator. Two, I'm going to spend the rest of my time in this film figuring out which parts are real and which parts are not real. Yeah. And we should say this is probably not going to be the watch like the viewing experience that a lot of people will have. Yes. Because we did go to film school. Yeah. And so I feel like we're probably the kind of viewer that's going to to look with more critical of an eye and notice something like that. And I only mention that because I have an example of the contra- to contrast. Okay. When I before film school and stuff, I really enjoyed the movie Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yes. I thought yes, it was funny. I like thought it was like a unique take on the rom com, etc. After I've known know a little more about film construction and plotting and cliche, going back to it is kind of hard. And the reason is specifically because of unreliable unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. You're basically told in the initial view that everything that the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character says is pretty much true. That everything he's understanding about the Zoe Deschanel character as their relationship kind of grows, using quotes here, right. um, is that you're supposed to side with him through the whole thing. And that's how a lot of people viewed that movie. And that's why a lot of people thought the, like, the movie ends, ends in a downer ending, because you're supposed to believe that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was right. Rewatching the movie, I can't take his side because the whole time I'm thinking is like, well, clearly he's biased because of X, Y, Z. He's telling the audience all these things that he's like, and also using his little sister as the comic foil to basically complain, basically about how he's being used. But when, you, but all, but you're able to actually look at Zoe Deschanel's pr- pr- perspective then, and me like, and the other character's perspective is like, no, he's a big whiny baby. Through the entire movie, mm-hmm. and he does, and the ending does like suck, like like for him because it should suck for him because he hasn't learned anything <laughs> because he didn't learn anything. I- anyway, so yeah, it's like we may not be the best example of this, and probably the people who are really enjoying this movie probably didn't even think about that. Oh no, they thought about it at the very end though. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. So yeah, I think that it's it's it may be a, a viewer beware kind of thing. Like you're getting out of this, which like like what you will, and you might not be as distracted by the things that we are. I don't know, cause I broke a couple people with that <laughs> two question. I bet. Like I pros. Bet. I bet you did. Cause they're like, uh, huh? What? Uh, because ooh. you can't. That's I think that was a question that was brought up when this movie was announced in the first place. You can't have a movie about the Joker where you're supposed to empathize with the Joker because everybody knows what happens. Mm-hmm. He's the literal Joker. The thing with the Dark Knight is that you never empathized with the Joker. You were creeped out by the Joker because the whole thing was that he he explicitly states in that movie he doesn't believe in anything. Everything is chaotic. Oh, well, and that's kind of what they wanted to play into here was yeah. that a series of unfortunate events, TM, <laughs> uh, can transform a yeah. person. To delve into yes. this kind of behavior because they end up having nothing to live for. That's actually one of the themes in this film is yeah. the loss of identity yeah. and trying to find yourself in this world. But 
My problem is, though, it's like an in-justifying-the-means kind of problem. Oh, it right? is, yes. Where it's, you're basically telling me, like, well, you don't know what they went through. So we're going to spend two hours telling you what they went through so you understand how, how, why they act like this. And it's like, no, no. Sometimes the actions of a person are not, like, are not good enough, like, are not explained by their traumatic past as much as you want them to be. Sometimes it's not that simple. No, you can't justify the existence of a Joker by saying that he was, like, mistreated. He's still the frickin' Joker. Right. I mean, you're basically... That's kind of what the film kind of yeah. ends on. Right. That, sure, all this kind of bad stuff happened, but does that justify him doing it? Does that justify yeah. him... Killing people? The answer should be no. Yes. And the audience should know that. But my worry is that Todd Phillips was trying to prove otherwise. You'd think that, but there were people (laughs) clapping and like laughing at the deaths and like ha ha Yeah, and what are what are you laughing at is the question you have to ask yourself. Right. It's I think just the mere existence of the movie and the reason and that the fact that he even wanted to make it is the problem with this movie, in my opinion, not having seen it. Right. Like I just don't understand why it exists. What was what's the point of all of it? Well, that's where I get to at the end where if like if you don't believe anything of this, right. what's the point of the film? Because yeah. of the unreliable narrator, what is the point that the Joker can manipulate you to feel for him? And yeah, of course he can. Because that's basically what he is. He's a manipulator. manipulator. He manipulates everything. Yeah. So yeah. He's a manipulator, he's a spinner, he's a liar, he's a cheater, he's a mother, he's a lover, he's he's a joker, he's a midnight toker. (laughs) You can't call him Maurice, though. He will not let you. What? What? Anyway. I think that's enough of, to say about yeah, Joker, though. I guess the bottom line here is it's a real subjective thing. It's going to be... You're going to hear very wildly different, different takes on it. And thing. with that, uh, I'll give it the media vote. Yeah. See it just so you can make up your own right. opinion on it. Because within a week, I saw two tweets, by both by people who I really trust with their taste, right? Uh-huh. One person said it was the greatest movie they've ever seen. The other person said it was the worst movie they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who to believe. Well... And I think that's the story of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> mental health! Oh my god, that's what I'm trying to think of. This thing delves into mental health. I mean, yeah, of course it does. Yes. You didn't even need to tell them that. I know, but <laughs> I that's that. the phrase I was looking for like yeah. ten minutes ago when we were talking about this. <laughs> Anyway, okay, immediate boat patented scale. What do you say? This oh, is a tough one. No, this is see it. I just really said, okay. Yeah, see it, so that way you can Spend make up your own mind about it. Spend money on this movie that you might regret spending money on. Or it's a controversial take. Yeah, I mean, people will try and give you their own opinions on it. So that's why I'm saying that you might as well see it. Yeah. Just so you can form your own opinion on it. <laughs> yeah. Because. To have an opinion on something you haven't seen doesn't make you any better than the people who are criticizing the movie before it came out. Right. But also, I am strongly in like uh, strongly in agreement with if you don't think you're going to like something, you do not need to spend money on it. Oh, yes. No. Which is where I'm That at. is a given. Like, any I criticism think. I give is coming from my desire not to see this movie. 
That's all I'm saying is I I don't I'm saying I don't think that the like the movie is going to be something I will enjoy. It's, okay. Everything you've said has reinforced the fact that I probably won't enjoy this movie. Okay. So that's 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 all that I'm saying. I'm not saying that you shouldn't see it if you're curious. Absolutely, if you're curious and you want to get if you want to know yourself, then absolutely go try it out. But yeah, do note that this is a movie that you may not find appealing. Yeah. But what you may find appealing is our first story. Yes, let's continue on, because I did not see any other movies, so we have no movies to talk about. So no. Besides The Big Joke. But we do have a bunch of other thoughts to go through later we'll today. We'll get there later, but first, movie news. Let's get rolling into that. First story, another uh, superhero movie that I did not care for. Deadpool 2. What's going on with the world of Deadpool? Uh, so, uh, during the trailers for the Joker, the, the name of Deadpool appeared three times. Of course it did. One for the producer, one for the director, one for the writers. Yeah, they each have a different property. film coming out. But uh, here, our story here, though, is unfortunately not a happy one about the success of the Deadpool movies. Instead, it's a sad one about something that happened on the set. Work Safe BC. British Columbia being the BC in that sentence. Yes. Uh, investigated a fatal 2017 motorcycle stunt crash. Uh, which we covered here. Yeah. On the Meatball Podcast. That investigation has concluded, and the film production company apparently violated several safety regulations, including instructing the stunt performer not to wear safety headgear while operating the motorcycle. That's a big problem. You should wear headgear while operating a motorcycle. You, sh- you should wear a helmet. Yes. The British Columbian government also found that the film production company, TCF Vancouver Productions Limited, failed to ensure that the workplace was designed with safety controls in place so that the stunt performer or the motorcycle could not proceed beyond the perimeter of the film set. Apparently barriers were absent, and a risk assessment was not fully addressed prior to filming, which included a stunt safety inspection checklist and a production activity notification checklist. So, wow, they just completely cut corners around the safety precautions. Uh, it sounds like they either cut corners on purpose or they were rushed to production Maybe. and cut corners then. Either way, uh, the WorkSafe BC has said its findings may result in an administrative penalty based on its investigation. Uh, stunt driver Joy Harris died in August 2017 performing her first movie stunt when she was ejected from the motorcycle and crashed through the window of a nearby building. So yeah, this was what uh, I assume caused the investigation in the first place. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's brutal. Um, be safe with some people. Some actors, you know, they're... They, they're people too. They take risks, but they still need like to, to practice safety precautions. Oh yeah. Like there's no reason to just ignore uh, things like Literally wearing a helmet, like which is the simplest thing you could ask for. Just green screen it out. Technology is to the point where you can make a head appear and not have to like like not have to like it's not hard to CG out a helmet. Technology is to the point where we can have talking lions. Right. And I can't tell the difference. You can ha- put a helmet on somebody <laughs> on a stunt driver. For God's sake. Please do. They, they don't have that Disney money, though. Yeah, well, now they but, do. Now, now they, <laughs> so they got to use it. Yeah, crazy but, to me. But yes, um, for those of you who might be wondering, uh, Warner Brothers did settle out of court okay. on this, uh, on the wrongful death case here. Okay. <sighs> but the production company 
is still at fault, yeah. clearly here. Clearly and the investigation be, knows they're liable. Yes, and there will more than likely be some type of penalty down the road. Oh, okay, well, uh, to decide, uh, to, to go for something a little, like, I guess happier? Happier okay. if you're Netflix. All right, so, uh, yes, turning the frown upside down, I guess. We have a story about a movie we mentioned earlier, The Irishman. Ah, yes, Netflix's The Irishman. So yeah, Netflix... Or Martin Scorsese's yes. The Irishman. Scorsese's uh, much anticipated The Irishman. Netflix now intends to screen the film ahead of its debut on the streaming platform on November 27th at a Broadway theater after the major movie theater chains balked at their plan to originally stream it a mere three weeks after its theatrical debut. Ha-ha! Remember that plan? Yeah, yes. it didn't work out. Yeah, you also remember how we said that a, in order for it to qualify for the Academy Awards, yeah. a movie must premiere, or not premiere, must have a minimum two-week run in either New York yeah. or Los Angeles. So, to get around that, the film will be shown at the Schubert Organization's Belasco Theater in New York City. Which is a Broadway theater. Yeah, making it the first movie screening for the 112-year-old institution. It will screen from November 1st to December 1st, which more than qualifies for that two weeks. That's a whole month. It will follow a standard Broadway theater schedule, which means eight screenings per week spanning Tuesday to Sunday, with matinee showings on the weekends. Netflix intends to install modern screening equipment for the 1,016-seat theater so it can properly show the film. The move to screen the film at the Belasco is a way to appease Scorsese's desire for a showy opening in the absence of a proper major theater partnership. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the past, Netflix has used film festivals and independent movie theaters for big award contenders like last year's Best Picture nominee and rightful winner, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So well, yeah. yeah, Roma. Sorry, I, I yeah. talked over that. Talk about Roma there. Roma. So yeah, uh, this is an interesting way to get around the, the requirement, and it will definitely uh, be acceptable for the Academy. As for actually getting people to see the Irishman in probably the way that Scorsese would want you to, that's very limiting. It is, but it is also in a Broadway theater yeah. in New York where I believe the Irishman takes place. Place? So it makes sense, and also Scorsese, you know, yeah. the most New York director. He, um, I mean, I guess at a time you could probably have said Woody Allen, but not anymore. Uh, I was going to say Spike <laughs> Lee, but... Uh, yeah, okay, that's fair, yes. Spike Lee, also a very New York director. <laughs> I mean, so he's got some big games, so... There's a competition here, there's a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, okay, I mean, this is a solution. I mean, we did note, I think last year that Netflix or Amazon was looking to purchase a theater chain in order to show streaming movies for them to qualify in Los Angeles or yeah. New York. Yeah. But this is also their way of getting around it. Right. Um, Broadway, I guess. Yeah, it, it works. Technically, yeah. it counts. So yeah. that's all Netflix really cares about. Is, is if it checks the box, it gets them Oscar noms. Yeah, d- does it get them on the ballot? It does. Check it. Yes, Scorsese will be in the Oscars. Irishman will be direct. Well, I'm sure be nominated for all the usual categories for him. Not, not surprised. And Netflix, yeah, might actually have a shot this time. Yep. And like you said, uh, Netflix checked all those boxes for Roma last year, and like we said, should have won. Hasn't won for director and foreign film. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens when we get to award season. But for now, that is it for movie news.
Woo! That means we get to move on to television, and we always start television with the sports corner. Oh, of course, right. the big news that's immediately apparent, uh, because it's literally in front of us on television, the baseball playoffs are happening at this moment. Yes, uh, both of the NLDS wildcard, or not wildcard, the NLDS... Uh, yes, the proper division games. Yeah, the division series, went to game fives, and yes. St. Louis... Is Kurt already won earlier today? Those cards. 13 to 1. Pulled it out <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, so they will be moving on. Currently, the Dodgers are taking on the Washington Nationals. We here in LA are clearly rooting for Washington. I mean, <laughs> the Dodgers, the boys in blue. We're not that bitter about the Angels. Come on. I know. The boys <laughs> in blue who are currently yes. up 3 to 1. And since they're playing at home, it is more than likely... Yeah, we'll probably see a Dodgers win. We'll see the Dodgers move on. Yeah, their series is only tied, though, so... It's best of five. This is game five. Okay, well... So that's what I'm saying. It's, I guess, is, yeah, whoever wins this. Yes. So, yeah, we'll know very, very soon uh, what our World Series will look like. Yep. All right, uh, what else in sports? So you have down that um, Washington... Meanwhile, in football, uh, Washington uh, fired Jay Gruden. Yes, uh... One Gruden brother is out of the league, yes. and not the one you might have thought <laughs> after the whole A-B situation. Yeah. Uh, yes, Jay Gruden, brother of John Gruden, uh, currently, I'm oh, sorry, formerly head coach of the Washington Redskins, yeah. started off the season 0-5 and, and is, subsequently has been let go. Right. Um, he also, or at least the team, also drafted Kyler Murray. Uh, no, not Kyler Murray. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Asking the wrong person. Dwayne Haskins. Okay. That's yes. not at all the same name. No, Kyler Murray's in Arizona. <laughs> I just know that because he went first and Dwayne Haskins went later. But Dwayne Haskins, um, Heisman nominee Dwayne Haskins, uh, had not started a game. Meanwhile, you had other rookie players come out like uh, uh, Allen. Allen, Minshew, uh, Daniels. Those are all player names. Okay. Right. <laughs> and Samuels. Saying names. Yes. All of them came out and played in quarterback, and yet Dwayne Haskins there wasn't uh, anywhere near, as Kirk Cousins was still the starter there. But hey, someone in the management did like that, so they fired his ass. Apparently. Yep. They spent all that money for quarterback in the first round, and by... Damn it, they're going to use it. Uh, so, yeah, they have brought in a new head coach. Jay Green will probably end up on the Dolphins next year. <laughs> we'll see. Another <laughs> time. Uh, anything else in sports? Uh, fantasy season is happening, still happening. Hockey and basketball Hockey and started. basketball have started. Full swing. Yep. Uh, we are currently in the three weeks of the year where every single major sport franchise mm-hmm. is in happening. season. Yep. It's happening. Well, I guess technically the baseball is in postseason, but still. they're still on TV. So yeah, it's happening. this is sports month and my favorite month of the year for other reasons, too. But yeah. because sports <laughs> month. Other reasons. But sports month. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, flip on the TV, there will always be a game on or something. Also, uh, NCAA, not dealing with California, but upset Saturdays. 
They're a thing this entire month. So <laughs> if you want to see some upsets in college football, tune in. All right. Okay, well, that's it then for sports. So we get to move on to television news. All right. Our first story, because I guess we have to talk about this. We literally have to talk about this <laughs> because it was the top five stories yeah. in my feed. For some stupid reason, even though it's the most predictable story that we've probably talked about all year. Guess what? South Park is in the news again because it's, it criticized something, and the thing it criticized banned them. What do you know? It's like the same story for the last 20 years. Wait, someone <laughs> didn't take the South Park joke? Apparently. Like, they took it too hard to heart and Almost. decided to that. make an uproar about it? Do you think 22 years after the show debuted, do we be past this? But no, apparently not. Right, you, th- you figure we'd hit the, oh, it's just South Park phase, which we did. We did hit that phase. Or maybe the South Park would just be over by now. Maybe. Hopefully. Anyway. I don't know. We did note last week that they got an additional three seasons, so. So, only a matter of time. Anyway, so yes, the show was in the news again, as always, because uh, this time they've turned their mockery of everything towards China. The episode, titled Banned in China, that's banned as in B-A-N-D, mocked Hollywood for shaping its content to please the Chinese government, specifically taking hard shots at Disney for skewing its characters and franchises to make them more appealing to the Chinese market. In response, Chinese government censors, as sensitive as they always are, have lashed out South Park by deleting virtually every clip, episode, and online discussion of the show from its streaming services, social media, and even Fan pages just completely getting rid of everything. They did a similar thing to uh, Winnie the Pooh content a while back because they still do. Yeah, that. Winnie the Pooh was associated with some uh, protests. People saying that the the president, the president Xi looked like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yes, hilarious. Um, also, they steer immediately yeah. into that yeah. in the episode. I bet they do. Also, Peppa Pig for a while was yes. banned for similar reasons. Anyway. Yes, uh, the episode definitely steers into that. They don't shy away because, as we said like five times already, it's South Park. Yeah. They will criticize anyone and everything. So, yeah. Uh, on Monday, show creators uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did issue a statement about this. I'm not uh, going to read... I'm going to put a huge quote around here. Yeah. I'm not going to read it verbatim. It's a statement. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it verbatim because it's them making stupid jokes as always. Basically, they said that it's not a surprise uh, that like that, that they welcome the Chinese censors into their homes. Uh, yeah, they and basically use the use it to say, "Hey, tune into our show, anyways." Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm of two minds here. Obviously, I think it's important to criticize the sensitivity of the Chinese government and how ridiculous they are about seeing things like this and how oppressive that is to uh, the free speech of their people and the free enjoyment of their people. At the same time, though, it's like, like at this point, like, South Park, we get it, you're shtick. Like, we get that you're doing the same thing every time. It's just not funny anymore. Like, uh, it's, it's just not interesting anymore. It's, it's boring. Not, it's just boring to me. It's like, it's just it's the same the, thing It's not that it's interesting in comedy, it's just that it's interesting in social commentary. Yeah. This, by the way, is leading up to their... 300th episode, right. which airs tonight. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they had this exact same controversy, controversy also, 100 episodes ago. Also, though, 
I don't necessarily think there's just an, an inherent. Okay, here here's the issue. So like the the reason why, of course, that these big media companies like Disney are catering to themselves to the Chinese market is because it's an enormous market for media. It is literally about the money. As we've said multiple times, and as your, one of your favorite refrains is, it is a business. It we is get a down business. to it. Yes. And in order to continue doing business as high volume and as expensive as they do, Disney practically needs China to keep going. However, flip side, South Park does not need China to keep going. No. So the people thinking that, like, oh, no, like, losing the Chinese, like, the, like, the Chinese audience is going to hurt them. No, it won't. No, it won't at all, because they never wanted it. That's the thing, is that their show is so tunnel-visioned to an American mindset. The whole thing is just satire, in the first place, of mostly American, like, American um, uh, culture. Thoughts. Yeah, culture. And so, like, in the, like, they don't care if they're shut out of of China. The only people this hurts is the people in China who like South Park, right? And but... that's a whole other situation with, that involves again the government suppressing the freedom of their people uh, to enjoy what they enjoy. So really, this is just the story is is really the story here is that China still sucks. I think is what we're getting at. And South Park pointed it out, and then China proved how much they suck again. Right. I mean, the fact that they labeled the episode Banned in China, and then they knew literally got banned in China. They knew it was going to happen. They do this all the time. Yeah. I don't know. What I'm saying is I don't know why this is a story. It's, it's story one that South Park is hitting its 300th episode. Yeah. I think that's the main thing I, I pulled out of this. I guess. And two, that South Park... Going on, it's twenty. This is the start of its twenty fourth season, twenty third season. Yeah, something like that. Is still making relevant content. Yeah, it's still pissing people off. Well, as relevant, yes, it's still pissing people off. But relevant is maybe relative. Uh, a lot of. Oh, so I watched the episode. I actually watched the the first two episodes because the season just started. I'll just give my quick thoughts on it right now because they are quick thoughts on yeah. it. Yeah. Um. It is still South Park. Yeah. I mean, I missed... I didn't it's watch the, the, previous two, the previous two seasons. Yeah. But it is still the thing that is South Park, that it will still take what is culturally relevant because they do these episodes literally within a week and they're able yeah. to put things in there that okay. are con- controversial okay. at the time, How but many? overall may... Delve into something else. How many episodes are we away from an episode where one of the kids is in a TikTok video? Like uh, one episode, two episodes? If it hasn't <laughs> happened already. It has, it has to happen, right? If it hasn't happened already. Like I said, I missed two seasons. They didn't have it then. Well, but it's a relatively new phenomenon, so that's why I'm imagining we're probably an episode away from a TikTok joke. I want to say you're probably right, <laughs> just for the sole purpose yeah. that TikTok, as we noted, was purchased... Yeah. By a Chinese company, yeah, uh, Huawei, Huawei, right? So or I something bet like that. that. That's, that's will tie in. Yes. Somehow. Anyway, all right. Let's stop talking about South Park. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, <laughs> as we noted here on the media, both plenty of times. Yeah. It's a business, and the Chinese market right. is huge. That's the reason why they're in. So, it, but it's yeah. still, yeah, it's still questionable, and I don't blame them for questioning it. And we'll get into. This won't be yeah. the only story we'll do on China today. All right, we'll get back to that. We'll, we'll circle back around to that. Anyway, 
Anyways, let's talk about a different type of park. Yeah, I was actually going to use the same segue. I know. Uh, yeah, I knew you were because I set it up park. that way. <laughs> yeah, I literally set it up that way. Uh, we moved from South Park to Randall Park, which is not a place or a television show. It's a man who's on television shows. Uh, he's on a boat. Well, no, he is fresh off the boat because Randall Park is the star of Fresh Off the Boat. He sure is. So. Randall Park has formed a production company with longtime friends and creative partners, Michael Golomko and Hugh Ho, with the aim of developing comedy-forward stories from Asian-American perspectives for all audiences. Cool. Imminent Collision, which is, I guess, the name of this. Yes, that's their name, Imminent Collision. Has already closed a first-look deal with 20th Century Fox TV in a competitive bidding situation. Park recently co-wrote, produced, and starred in the Netflix feature rom-com Always Be My Maybe, which was also in the bid for the deal. Michael Golomko is currently adapting the Newberry Newberry medal-winning novel Hello Universe for Netflix, and Hugh Ho is a producer who has set up projects from BuzzFeed to New Line, Universal, Warner Brothers, and Comedy Central. So this is a powerful squad coming in, Mm -hmm. Um, and that sounds like a great idea. I mean, uh, we've been proven the last couple of years uh, with the success of Crazy Rich Asians, yep. with the success of, of, of Fresh Off the Boat and similar television shows, yep. and also the announcement of the all-Asian cast Marvel film, uh, which I forget the name of. Of Shang-Chi. Yeah. So yeah, it's like and this is writing Also, away. the upcoming Disney film Mulan. Right, yes, the, the, the adaptation of Mulan mm-hmm. will also have an all Asian cast. So yeah, this is riding a wave uh, of more representation, and yeah, as we've proven, more representation is not only one, a really important thing that like gives aspiration to people who aren't used to seeing themselves on the screen, but two, is also really successful, and people will go see it. <laughs> also three, from a business strategy, yeah. as we just talked about. Widening your audience is always good. Especially when this film can easily get one of those coveted yes. ten slots into Ooh. China. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is a painful hit right there. <laughs> oh that God. any studio was willing to take. <laughs> they yes. will literally take that shot oh, to the face Christ. in order to get that market oh, share. No. Okay. Just, just, uh, just like right in the teeth. It's a it's a hard hit. I think this is going to be a good hit for Vandal Park. I'm happy to see him taking one for the team. Okay. He's not down and out. He anyway. is good to go. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, it is. I love this imminent collision that he's on. No, we're talking about imminent collision. Oh God. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, let's That's move it on for to television news. Let's get into some thoughts. And I got some thoughts on some pitches. So you already talked about South Park, so we can cross that off the list. Yes. We have two new shows that you need to talk about. Uh, you watched Almost Family and Bless the Hearts. Which <laughs> one do you want to talk about, and which is the worst name? <laughs> uh, well, these are both Fox shows, so they're both the worst name. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. Let's, but are they bad? Let's go with Bless the Hearts. Uh, this is the new animated comedy starring Maya Rudolph uh-huh. and Kristen Wiig. And it seems okay. Seems fine. It seems yeah, okay. It seems okay. Yeah, this show seems okay. 
It deals with a single mother who, with her daughter, moves back in with her mom and may or may not be living with her boyfriend at the same, uh-huh. like, in the same house. Uh, it's clearly established that it is the boyfriend and the, and the pilot as the daughter says, you're not my real dad. Right. And the whole tishtick is trying to be that dadly father figure in her life. Yeah. While also maintaining a household relationship with her mom under her mom's mom's roof. Okay. I'm confused. But all right. It has that kind of satire that King of the Hill had. Uh-huh. But it's definitely... In like an over the top style that yeah. um, Family Guy and Bob's Burgers is, okay. where it seems a little ridiculous that this is happening, but at the same time, that's kind of like the art style they're going with, and that's kind of like the tone and vibe they're going with. It yeah. definitely hits comedy elements. Speaking of the art style, I can't get past it. I know. I wanted to try this out because I had heard some things that people saying that it was like okay and that it was possibly promising yes but i just can't get past the way it looks which it was my initial hold, hold up with big mouth too to compare another really ugly looking show yes and it's like it's such a struggle and i don't understand why they have to do that well like, when you live like specifically talking to you yes live in a world of animation surrounded by disney and nickelodeon where yeah. the lines themselves are clean they're crisp Circles are round, edges are squared, and everything looks like where it's supposed to be. And then you have Bless the Hearts, which looks like a complete mess on an animated cell. Like, yeah, and I get that that maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah. But still, I don't know. I feel like that's going to be alienating. It may be alienating, but the script themselves, I think, are... Promising. They have okay. some good writers on that team. Well, that's good. That is a saving grace for it. Uh, there's only two episodes, so easy to catch up. Yeah. But yeah, it is something that I think might not be for everyone, but has that definite animated potential to yeah. get there. Certainly seems more promising than, let's say, 90% of the animated shows that Fox has tried to put in their lineup that aren't. The Simpsons, Family Guy, King of the Hill, Futurama. You're talking about stuff like Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, like the animated Napoleon Dynamite, like Alan Gregory. Yes. You remember that? Uh, Son of Zord, technically animated. All these one-season wonders that (laughs) they've had. God, they've had a really bad track record is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they can pull them. It'll be interesting to see if this will fall into that same... One season pit. Yeah. But it does have some comedic potential. Okay, that's good. I'm glad that it's better than it sounds. Mm -hmm. What about Almost Family, which sounds like a name that was generated from an auto-generator? So, I have a problem with Almost Family, because it doesn't know if it wants to be a comedy or a drama. Oh, no. It's one of those. It is definitely one of those. (laughs) Matt... Let me ask. You, let me tell you the premise, and you let oh. me and you tell me. Drama or is comedy? this a comedy or a drama? All right. I think you did this with that uh, 
that um, um, hospital comedy on CBS last week. But let's do this again. Oh, oh yes. Two weeks uh, ago. Uh, no, it was last week. Uh, <laughs> was it like Alex's second act or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Molly's second act? But okay. Oh, okay. Let's play this game again. Oh, let's play this game again. Comedy or drama? All right. All right. A daughter works for her father. Is his, like, basically secretary. Okay. Go ahead. Comedy or drama? That could be a comedy or a drama. Okay. So Uh, far. They work at a fertility clinic run by said father. That veering more towards drama. Okay. We're careening here. We're careening towards drama. Alright. Um, there is a scandal that because the fertility clinic has had such a high record, uh, that a case has come out that maybe the dad fertilized a lot of these women using his own sperm. What?! Comedy or drama? That no, that's not funny. That's terrifying. Comedy that's or drama? Drama. Okay. <laughs> and yet, they try to do both. The father ends up in a hospital after a heart attack, Jesus. leaving the daughter oh, no. to take over the company, and clean up the mess, and clean up the mess. Comedy uh, or drama? That's the, now it sounds like there comic things could happen in that scenario, but man, that's dark. Oh, we'll keep going. Oh no. The daughter, now being the head of the company, uh-huh. decides to issue a free paternity test oh. to all their previous clients. Yeah. Comedy or drama? Again, comedy could happen out of this, but it's still really dark. Okay. I'll keep going. <laughs> okay. One of these, like, it's revealed that some of these people may or may not have actually been inseminated by this guy's okay. sperm. One of them being her best friend growing up. Oh no. That she has had over dinners on cosmic cages uh-huh. and grew up with... in middle school and high school yeah. and college with this person who was now a lawyer. Okay. That's convenient. Yes. Comedy or drama. Again, th- this comedy could happen from these scenarios. But it just all seems so dramatic. So, this, uh, the daughter, by the way, is an only child. I think that's kind of necessary. Uh, always wanted siblings. Of course. And now realizes has a lot she of has them. basically infinite amount of siblings. <laughs> oh, comedy God. or drama? Oh, God. That's more comedy. But I think you've made your point, Is I guess. We should probably not keep doing this. Oh, I want to keep doing this. It's ridiculous, though. Because like, said daughter has said best friend uh-huh. and now confirmed sister move in, yeah. as well as pop star. Oh, what? A pop star. Okay. Who is going through a mental uh, breakdown of uh-huh. sorts. All right. Realizes that she is also one of these um, babies uh, and new sister and so she moves in with the both of them uh-huh. and together the three of them kind of investigate a search to not only keep the clinic open uh-huh. but try and make amends and find other family members in almost family because they are 
almost family. family. I get it. Get it now. So, is that a comedy or a drama? I, I it seems like it's a drama that wishes it was a comedy. Because <laughs> so, the premise is just so dark. Oh, it's definitely dark, and they yeah. definitely steer into the dark. As like in the last like minute where they like do the last. Oh, we have one page left, so let's do a minute thing so we can set up a next arc for next episode. Um, the dad, who's fresh out of the hospital, uh-huh. no, sorry, is set to be released from the hospital, uh-huh. is immediately put in handcuffs and taken to jail as, because he inseminated all these women unknowingly with his sperm, <laughs> will be tried for a rape case. Oh, great. Awesome. Sexual assault case. That's what I want in my comedy. Comedy or drama. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, no, I'm done. This is the worst. And that's episode one. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't watch the show. I know. <laughs> I cannot watch the show. <laughs> uh, I had the same reaction. I was sick to my stomach watching it. Like, yeah. clearly this is all bad. Why are you <laughs> trying to make light of this? Well, this is clearly funny, all yeah. bad. Why? Why? This is just all bad all the time. And so, like, I feel like it's a subject that's come up in other shows, but in passing. So, to, like, to do an entire show about that concept is kind of gross. And that's why it's called Almost Family, because they're almost family. Yeah. Technically, they share the same dad. Oh, also, tell me if this is comedy or drama. The, sure. What the daughter is... Uh, the guy the daughter is hooking up with, guess what? Uh-huh. May also be related as he, the boy, the the bang boy, was also an inseminated baby. Yeah, that's the, okay, no. Comedy <laughs> or drama? Yeah, no, this is the worst. All right, let's stop talking about Almost Family. <laughs> no one should watch this. No one should watch it. <laughs> let's start talking, however, about things that no one else can watch because they're canceled. Actually, oh. I wish I could, but before cancellations and renewals, we should know there are no cancellations. It's all renewals. Okay, so what are what am I continuing to watch then? Well, there's going to be a fourth season of Dear White People on Netflix, but it will be the last. So that's technically canceled, but it will get a fourth season. Eh, fourth season, fourth season. Yeah. Sesame Street... We'll get five more seasons because it will be being brought to HBO Max, Warner's streaming service. Uh, we do note that this currently is on HBO right. uh, Kids, I believe. So this is just an extension of that deal. It just, yeah, get ready to watch it on streaming. Yes, uh, but if you don't want to pay for HBO Max, the episodes will premiere, or I guess not premiere, on the HBO? episodes will show on PBS Oh, okay. Uh, two weeks after they premiere on that's uh, neat that they're doing a deal like that because yeah. there were people concerned that they would never return to PBS. So that's cool. That's good yeah. news. It is good news. Florida Girls on Pop. Yeah, that station that exists. Uh, we'll get a season two. <laughs> the Walking Dead will never die because it's getting an 11th season on AMC. It keeps on walking. It keeps on walking. Prodigal Son, which you talked about and was confused by on uh, Fox. Uh, has been ordered for a full season, so that will get 22 whole episodes. So I did out. watch more of... I did watch the second episode and third episode of that. Yeah. Uh, it is exactly what I thought it is. It is, hey, my dad is a serial killer, so I can use him to help me identify these new serial killers. Yeah. 
And this will definitely get that fix of those serial killer shows that unfortunately left us, like Hannibal. Yeah. And like Lucifer. Well, we'll see. <laughs> and Dexter, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Showtime, Couples Therapy gets renewed for a second season. Disney, I guess Disney Channel, has renewed Gabby Duran and the Unsittables. <laughs> if you don't know what that is... You are over the age of 14. I was going to say, <laughs> it's okay you don't know what that is because that is a renewal, uh-huh. a second season... Ahead of its season uh, premiere this Saturday it, okay. or Friday. I'm going to guess the premise of this show uh, by its title. Okay, what's the title? Gabby Duran and the Unsittables. I'm going to try to guess here. Go ahead. Gabby Duran is a babysitter, and she is paired up with some real brats, and that they are the Unsittables in the title. Uh, this sounds like you're describing Rugrats to me or something. But it's but the title character is the babysitter. The focal point in this one is the babysitter. Because, of course, it's a teen show on Disney, which would imply that they're trying to, like, cater to the teen market, so you would want to closely, like, root for the teenager as opposed to the kids. That's my guess here. Okay. Uh, Is this a cartoon? No, this is a live-action show. That's, again, it's all just me trying to... Guess the premise. Okay. Well, you're right. It is a babysitter show. Okay. I'll give you the synopsis. Okay. A girl finally finds her moment to shine uh-huh. when she inadvertently lands an out-of-this-world job to babysit an unruly group of very important... Check. ...extraterrestrial children... What? <laughs> ...who are hiding out on Earth Twist. with their families disguised as everyday kids. Twist! Twist! Here is a screenshot of said show. Twist! <laughs> so you were right on everything. I was right on everything except for the twist. Except for it's aliens. Well, I would have never guessed that it was aliens. So, right. okay, Disney Channel, you win this round. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then lastly, this week, uh, Search Party. Yeah, that's the... Also. Oh, God, that looks terrible. Yeah. Search Party. Remember Search Party? Yes. It used to be on TBS. Uh, and was mysteriously disappeared after two seasons. And then people kind of went looking for it. Well... Like a search party. We found search party, everybody. And it's coming to HBO Max. Speaking of HBO Max, uh, it has been given two more seasons. So the third and fourth season will be on HBO Max exclusively. So if you like search party, uh, then you'll have to follow them over there. Uh, As we have noted, HBO Max is... Warner Brothers? Yes. It is Warner Brothers streaming service. service. So this makes sense that literally everything that Warner owns they will go there if they don't want to put it on TV. Right, so TBS probably passed on... Advertising for it. So yeah, TBS probably passed on doing more production for Search Party and they decided, well, the fans still like this, let's put it somewhere. It's also also a good way to get people to watch it. Like, hey, I like Search Party. I want to continue watching Search Party. HBO Max. Unlike people who like Community and want to keep watching Community, except not on Yahoo. Yahoo. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that's it for cancellations or renewals. Uh, We have a handful of deaths here. All right. Another rough week. Ryan Nicholson, age 47. That's young. Visual effects artist. uh, Worked on The Predator, Blade, Trinity, and others. Yeah, he was an up-and-coming special effects artist. Got it. Ginger Baker, age 80. Drummer uh, for the band Cream. 
Uh, other bands include Blind Faith and uh, their own Ginger Baker's Air Force. So uh, there you go. Uh, I, I believe a well-respected drummer in the rock scene. Yes. Uh, Larry Jundstrom, age 70, a bassist, played bass for bands like Laird Skinner and 38 Special. I think I saw him in concert. Do you know he was, if he was an original uh, bassist in Leonard Skinner? Or I don't know if he was an later. original bassist. Okay. But I definitely saw Leonard Skinner last year. Okay. Actually, earlier this year. Wow, that was this year. This year's been about a year. And uh, lastly, a bad year for people named Rip. R.A.P.? Yeah, we had Rip Torn a few weeks ago. Yes. Now Rip Taylor. Oof. Age 88, actor, comedian, of course, uh, uh, known for roles in Chatterbox, Down to Earth, but other all sorts of other assorted roles. Uh, you may remember him more recently. Uh, today uh, on Twitter, uh, the last week tonight, uh, Twitter account tweeted yes. when they had Rip Taylor on for a segment about Israel a few years ago. Uh, Thailand, actually. Thailand, sorry. Yeah. I got that country wrong. But I know. Yeah. I, I, I watched that again so, today. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was he was a good uh, uh, kind of crazy kind of performer that you would have. Yeah, he was very crazy, flamboyant, yeah. really oh, yeah. out there, really loud comedian. Right. Yes. But he was also funny. It wasn't just hey, look at me, I'm super loud. It was yeah. I'm an actually good comedian. Here's a weird, uh, specific, overly specific call out. I remember the last episode of G4's X Play. Yes. Had Rip Taylor on it. Hey. Because apparently, uh, former host Adam Sessler was a big fan, and he said that basically the one thing he always wanted to do was meet Rip Taylor, and so apparently f- was able to get Rip Taylor on the last episode of that show, hey. because G4 was a wild land where anything could happen back yep. then. <laughs> Literally anything. Before it became <laughs> Esquire. Yeah. Anyway. So R.A.B., that's sad. Yep. All right. That's it for deaths, which means I get to pass this on to you. You get to talk about music. All right, I'm going to talk about We're finally music. to the second half of the show at eight twenty-two p.m. Yeah. Oh, well, we get to talk about music, and we okay. always start music with the Billboard. All right. And we always start Billboard with the Hot One Hundred, the hottest and songs. And the truth hurts, don't it? Because nothing changed. Because nothing changed. As truth hurts by Lizzo. Is once again your number one song, yep. followed by "Senorita" by uh, by Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello, and number two, "Someone You Loved" by Louis Capaldi at number Still three. Still don't know what that is. Three weeks in, with that being a nope. top five hit. Still at, don't know what it is. At number four, "Ran Dollar Sign On" by Lil Tecca, uh-huh. and number five, "No Guidance" by Chris Brown, featuring Drake, or Still rather there. Drake Tra- featuring Chris Brown. Featuring yes, Chris man. Brown. Uh, so yeah, nothing changed. Uh, also, this uh, marks uh, Lizzo now becomes the longest female artist uh, to chart in uh, twenty nineteen. In twenty nineteen, or it's continuous number, number one. once. Yes, uh, because previously no uh, 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 female led song had uh, lasted more than six weeks. Um, also noted that Lil Nas X is a man. Also true. That's also true. I, I kept saying. Yes, I know. But also, Lil Nas X basically ruled for most of 2019. Right, so yeah, they kind of prohibited anybody else from doing that. Yes. Also, I want to reiterate, uh, just to to rub it in a little bit, Taylor Swift still has not had a number one this year. Woo! 
Can you believe that? Would you be able to see that coming? I wouldn't have. Anyway. Uh, well, she got that SNL bump, I guess, slightly, maybe. Slightly. But didn't seem to help her on the singles front. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Uh, but well, albums, though. The album, though. Up. Yes. Uh, for your Billboard 200, your albums chart. Number one is Kirk by Da Baby. Da Baby. Whatever this is. Da Baby is a rapper. Uh, okay. Kirk is his so. debut. If you say so. He's a hot up and comer. He's been doing features on a lot of other established rapper tracks. But yeah, he's apparently pretty good. I've heard positive things about Kirk. I have not listened to it, but I th- think uh, I've been I- I've been under the understanding that it is a good debut. Uh, well, the baby. It's a good debut for the baby because it's number DaBaby. one. The baby. Want to who didn't have a number one this year? <laughs> who? DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled's not. Yes. Anyway. And he blew up Twitter over it. Yep. <laughs> who else is in our top five? Uh, at number two, we have Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. Yep, hanging in there. Number three. Abbey Road, yes? Yes. Yeah, Abbey Road by the Beatles. Right, yes. It uh, celebrated its 50th anniversary, so this is a uh, big jump up. We'll have a story about that in a moment. Uh, at number four, we have I'm Him by Kevin Gates. And hanging out at number five, Lover by Taylor yeah. Swift. Before we move out of the charts, I just want to say real quick that Post Malone song Circles has been getting a lot more radio play lately. Holy crap, that thing is catchy. Yeah. Today at work, I just kept myself humming, and I was like, wow, that's, like, earworm. Like, I, I don't know where it came from. I told you, I noted, noted well, yeah. not necessarily this song, but that's just a, the songs on Post Malone's yeah, album that thing. I don't understand what's going on with it, <laughs> but they, they're pretty catchy. Yeah, you can write a song. That, man, yeah, just, it's, it's yeah, I might have to say that I like that song. Like, I'm yeah. getting to the point where I'm like, you know what? I might like that song. That song's okay. It's okay if you like that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are allowed to like Post Malone. Yeah, I know. It's no weird. one is stopping it's you weird. from not liking Post As Malone. As we talked about when we talked about Post Malone, it's like it's hard. It's just to wrap my head around, oh, wait, maybe he's actually good at this. Wrap your head around <laughs> his raps? Right, yeah. Uh, Rap, rapping. Eh. Uh, okay. uh, uh, all right. Anyway, that's your billboard. Anyways, that's your billboard, and if you're not going to listen to Post Malone, we have new releases. Okay. Uh, what am I listening to this week? Sorry. I, I don't know what you're listening to this week. <laughs> get the prompt. But here are the new releases. Okay. First up, we have L-A-H-S. Who do we appreciate? I don't know. <laughs> uh, L.A. High School, maybe. No. Louisiana <laughs> High School. It might just be Laws. Laws? It's yeah. all caps. Well, did did you say K I R K? No, you said Kirk. Uh, maybe. <laughs> You're not even consistent with your own rule. All right, Laws <laughs> by Anna Loss. Yeah. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> metal Galaxy <laughs> by Baby Metal. Not to be confused with Dub Baby. Yes. Uh, Two Hands by Big Thief. Yep, their second release in 2019. Uh, we have Fields. By Blood Orange. Which, you may remember reading last week, this was, I guess, delayed. Oh, it was delayed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, open Reduction Internal Fixation uh-huh. by Blue Hawaii. Yeah, that's all one name. Yes. Uh, we also have Get Fixed by Cursive. Okay, we'll go Get Fixed. Just be, I'll be uh, right back. Giants of All Sizes <laughs> 
by elbow. The name. I feel like you put that in there. No, that's, that's so real. ridiculous. That's real. <laughs> uh, we have no home record by Kim Gordon. That is Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth's first solo record in her entire 37-year career. Believe that. I don't believe that. Yeah, you believe that. I it's literally true. don't believe that. Yeah. Uh, we also have Black Anima by Lacuna Coil. Yeah. We have Sonic Citadel by Lightning Bolt. Uh-huh. And we also have Nine by Lil' Kim. Yes, not to be confused with Nine by Blink-182, which we had two weeks ago. This is not related. And also not to be confused <laughs> by Nine by Jason Aldean. Or the musical Nine. Is that are we That's done? a musical. And are we done with that? Yeah, we're done. Okay. Uh, we also have <laughs> On a Clear Day, I Can See You Forever by Lindstrom. Yeah. I tried to do the fancy, like, cross through the O thing for the O in Lindstrom. No. Nah. Because it's Swedish. It's Swedish. But I couldn't do it. Like, the keystroke wouldn't work. Oh, no, it's not a keystroke. It's like Alt yeah, Delete or something. Or something. And Max, if you hold down the letters sometimes and then press a number, it'll do it, but it didn't yeah. do it this time. It was weird. Well, I also know that if you do it on mobile, if you hold down yeah. a certain letter, all the, all options, the options for it will pop it's up. It's supposed to work like that, but it wasn't working today. Uh, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> uh, we have music news. We do. And you mentioned the Beatles in the... I did. Pop, um, the album, uh, the Billboards. Always 200. making news, even if though they haven't been abandoned 40 years. <laughs> 49 well, years. And even if two of them are no longer here. Right, yeah. The Beatles, iconic 1969 album. Nice. Abbey Road. Yep. uh, Which was reissued last week in a lavish 50th anniversary deluxe edition. Right. Album has returned to the top of the UK album charts after a record-breaking 49 years and 252 days. Yeah. Uh, The chart-topping feat which has been officially recognized as a Guinness World Record as the longest period of time for an album to return to number one in the UK. That is a very specific record. (laughs) Saw said album, Abbey Road, returned to the top of the country's official album charts for the first time since its initial 17-week run ended on... January 31st. Yeah. Of 1970. Yeah, can you believe that? I can't, because it was the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, the new milestone breaks the Beatles' own record, which is previously held by Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club yes. Band, <laughs> with its very own 50th anniversary reissue, which topped the charts back in June of 2017, which we covered. Which, that gap was also 49 years, but only 125 days. So, uh, this new record beat it by 100 days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, congratulations, Beatles. Uh, I guess congratulations specifically to... <laughs> Paul McCartney and Rico Starr? Yes. <laughs> As we can give congratulations to the Last other two. Standing. Yeah, I don't think they'll hear us, nope, maybe. probably not. Probably not. Uh, but yeah... Uh, you once again have a number one album on your hands. Ugh. Better bring out that tour. <laughs> Those tour dates. People want to hear it. I know, right? Anyway. <laughs> what else do we have? Anyways, uh, we have a artist, another artist to talk about. 
Rihanna. Yeah, kind of been out of the, the limelight for a few years here, taking a break, but uh, she's back in full force, doing interviews, uh, talking about memoirs, and uh, saying some stuff about uh, things we've reported on. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, because Rihanna doesn't do many interviews these days. Yeah, but now she is, is what I'm saying. Yes, but she didn't hold back in her new cover story. Ooh. Ooh cover, story. cover story. with Vogue, where the singer and entrepreneur talks about President Trump and her new album, and why, even though her mentor Jay-Z has pacted with the NFL, NFL, she would never headline the Super Bowl. So yeah, which we noted last year. You know that last year that she had basically said she was offered it and she denied it, which is why we got Justin Timberlake's sleepwalk over performance. We did not get Justin Timberlake's sleepwalk over performance. We got Adam Levine. Oh shit! And Maroon Five last year. Oh my God! Has it really been two years? <laughs> You're right. Yes. Holy crap! I totally forgotten about Room 5 because it sucked so much. Well, also, I didn't see parts of it because of issues, technically. Right. But that's part of it. Um, on that quick side note, since yeah. you don't have it here, since I didn't note it, the Super Bowl halftime show has been announced Yeah, we, for we talked year. about it a couple weeks ago. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. We, we did? Remember, we talked about Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Oh, we did? We did. Oh. In fact, we did. I know how quickly this, this month has gone by. I know. Yeah. September was a blur. That was fast. Okay. But yeah, we talked about that. This was kind of a follow-up to that. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, Rihanna, uh, back to talking about Rihanna, Yeah. Uh, has been outspoken in her support of players like Colin Kaepernick, who has essentially been drummed out of the league for kneeling during the national anthem as a symbol of protest over police brutality and racial inequality. Quote, I couldn't dare do that, she said, of uh, performing at the Super Bowl. Yeah. For what? Who gains from that? Not my people. I just couldn't be a sellout. I couldn't be an enabler. There's things within that organization that I do not agree with at all. And I was not about to go and be of service to them mm-hmm. in any way. So, yeah, I included this because I feel like She's finally saying the things that I think that a lot of people have been thinking. Yeah. About like about the NFL like the last couple seasons, where it's just finally it's just like yeah, somebody's out there basically just be like, no, let's call this out for what it is. Is like these artists need to really consider what they're doing when they're palling up with the league like this. I mean, yeah, Jay Z and crew did say that they had good intentions to uh, for this partnership. But how much is realistically going to be able to be changed? And, well, you can even mirror this type of thing to what's going on with China, which we'll get into in a bit. And how, basically, a company's morals are different from where they spend their dollars and what they say. It's tough, because... Yeah, uh, it's... Yeah, it's a hard hard line to walk. Yep. Certainly. Uh, But... I will note uh, here that I actually did get into a conversation about Colin Kaepernick earlier this weekend on my way to a football game. Mm -hmm. And I basically, even though they were kind of poo-pooing him, like, well, he shouldn't be in the league, he shouldn't be um, doing this, doing the kneeling, like, 
clearly it didn't work out for him. Clearly, this was a bad thing about him. Yeah, and, and I said, sure. I said, okay, <laughs> sure. But do know that what? he did that two years ago, <laughs> and yet here we are, yeah, still, still talking, talking about, about it. it. So it's clearly, like his point was made. It was effective. His point had been made. The fact that you're bringing it up, yeah, means the point had been made. The league will never be the same after that. No, like the, I think that there will be no real way for them to like wash the stink off of it. And even Jay-Z's whole partnership thing is not going to be the thing that does it. Well, no, it can't be. It no. won't be. He is, he's a music producer. It's not like he's going to all of a sudden create the, uh, the next Play 60 <laughs> to get people to go out right. and right. like do, what was it, the um, eat healthy thing, the get active portion of it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's not him. Yeah. Uh, T- taking dark turns. That's that's what a lot of sports are happening. Right yes. Now. But, hey, Rihanna is out of the media, which means we may actually hear some new music or see yes. her in some more stuff. Yes, she did was talking about new new music. So, yeah, new music from Rihanna is probably expected next year. So get excited. Yep. Uh, and a memoir, like I said. There's a memoir planned. Okay. You don't have it noted on here? No. But, no, uh, not the memoir. Oh. A third story. Okay. I know that you... I'm just going to mention this real quick. I know that you frequently visit Pitchfork. Every once in a while. Less so than I used to. But yes, they are having their... I know what you're going to say. They're having their best of the decade lists right now. Yes. Uh, yesterday they did their best songs. And then today... or No, two days ago two days they did ago. songs. Uh, 200 best songs of the decade. And then um, they did their albums list yesterday. Yes. This is only partially news. I mean, you know what you're getting with them. So it's like, if you kind of been reading them for the last ten years, you kind of know what's going to be on the top of their lists. Sure it's enough, Frank Ocean. Yeah, Frank Ocean's Blonde uh, was their pick for uh, number one. But Kanye's Beautiful Dark Fantasy was right behind it, number two, because of course it was. Because technically, that came out in 2010. It did, that counts. Yes. And then as for songs, uh, they picked uh, Kendrick Lamar's All Right. Yep. That's the best song, which actually, I, I'd say that's a fair argument. I would say... I would say... It's all right. Ha-ha! <laughs> okay. But yeah, as for the rest of the list, I don't know. I mean, there's some, there were some, uh, some good deep picks in there. I appreciate that uh, one of my favorites, uh, uh, Hop Along, uh, represented with their album Painted Shut. I deep, saw Hop Along in there. Deep on the list. I saw Soccer Mommy on <laughs> yes, there for you. good, good options. I saw Emotion on there. Yes, Carly actually got a pretty good placement on that thing. Also, Run Away With Me is in the top ten, I want to say, of their songs. Yes, so and Golden time. Hour was placed at number 26 of their albums. it should be. It's good stuff. Yep. But yeah. Anyway, so you can go to Pitchfork if you want to read the rest of that. Also, several other sites for doing similar lists, like Paste put out their 100 albums today. Okay. So if you want to look that up as well. Yes, as we end this decade, yeah. Well, we I mean, may yeah, put something... Yeah, maybe we can play around something if you want to do something similar for us. Maybe the past five years, though, as we've only been doing this for, for five less years. less than ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it might be fun to do a decade list, though. We'll like think, a, we can think about it. Five like maybe just fives. Yeah, we'll do top fives of the decade. That's a lot to go through, though. But yeah, we could do that. It can be less be less looking at data and more just off the top of our heads. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but we'll get to that at the end of the year. We will. Yes, that's a December conversation. For yes. now, we have to talk about um, uh, video games. Uh, no. 
Oh. We have albums to talk about. We do. What did you listen to this week? I listened to Brantley Gilbert's new album, Fire and Brimstone. All right. Was there fire and brimstone? Yes. And, well, it sounds like he's in some fire and brimstone because Brantley Gilbert has that kind of gravelly voice to him. Mm. He's got that really country, roar, muscle of a man's voice to him. <laughs> uh, but I will say that... This album is confusing to me. Okay. Because this is not his first album. Right. If this was his first album and coming out, I'd be like, well, there's some good stuff in here. I could see potential here. But this isn't his first album. So I'm like, uh, should you be making hits? But clearly, this is what you want. Also, his first song on the album is called Fart Up. Fired Up? No. What? Fart Up. Fart Up? Fart up. <laughs> you have to spell this for me. F I R E apostrophe T. Fart. Fart up. <laughs> it's not a word. He's making up words. There's also a, a song called <laughs> Welcome to Hayes Town. Okay. Where Willie Nelson's on it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, like I said, this this album sounds like a freshman debut album. Of someone just coming out of college, or just in that early twenties phase, maybe like in the teens twenties phase, like th- with that like rough voice, and I could see it being a debut album. Like, hey, I'm trying to break into the country scene. This is what I, this is what I sound like. Yeah. Uh, but. But it's not. It's not. <laughs> I mean. Weird. Okay. He's got other albums on. It's a country-ass name, though. Brantley Gilbert. Yes, but not to be confused with, um, you know, other uh, Bentley. Yeah. Dirk Bentley. Dirk Bentley. Yes. Dirk's and his Bentley. Dirk's and his Bentley. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This is his third album. But, yeah, uh, definitely okay. it's... It's going for a certain song, a certain style. Yeah. And you can definitely feel it in every song. It's just that, I don't know, for a third album, it's the kind of thing that's going to get new people to listen to you. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. It doesn't have the hits, but if you like Brantley Gilbert, it's definitely a Brantley Gilbert album. (laughs) I just don't know if he's either trying to reach new audiences or wanting to expand his, um... Just doing his thing, his, his, you know? His stuff. Might just be doing his thing. I mean, yeah, but if you're Eric Church, you do your thing. <laughs> Are you saying he hasn't earned that level I'm of I'm saying in his yet? third album, yeah. uh, this is... He's been around for ten years. At least, is it, uh, his first album was ten years ago. Uh, 2009. So, you know, you kind of should be making those moves to a bigger wider audience but at the same time you kind of don't want to lose that what makes you you yeah and it feels like he's sticking in that in his lane of this is what i do best i'm going to stick in my lane and not kind of veer out of it which works yeah i'm not saying it's a bad album it definitely works for that kind of style i just wish there was something more i could grasp onto. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Fair enough. 
Alright, uh, but I wasn't the only one who listened to an album. Yeah, I listened to an album. I'll be pretty quick about it. Uh, yeah, the new Angel Olsen record, uh, which I'm mentioning because I feel like this is probably the most mainstream she's ever been. She kind of had kind of a small start uh, with being kind of a folk artist. But over the years, with every release she's released, I've seen her pop up in all sorts of places. Um, so yeah, I'm guessing that, I guess she counts as mainstream now, so I guess I'll have to talk about her. Uh, but yeah, um, this new record is the biggest sound, like, she's ever attempted. It's big balladry. Uh, this is definitely, I think, that we're getting towards, uh, especially towards the end here of 2019. We're having a turn where pop is going max, maximalist, maximist again. There was a period of time after uh, Kanye's Yeezus where everything went minimalist. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the case anymore. I think coming into the new decade, big is the new thing. Like you saw it with Taylor Swift this year. I see Especially South Ariana Grande. With Ariana Grande. You saw it with uh, Lana Del Rey. You see it mm-hmm. with the the weird technical choices of people like Billie Eilish. Well, I think production we, we, is we have, big right now. That's what I was going to say. We have noted on this podcast there in this year that yeah. a lot of these new albums coming out have a lot of production value put yes. into it. Big production is the thing right now. And yeah, and uh, Angela Olsen, uh, no different here. Uh, some of the biggest songs she's ever written, uh, the arrangements include orchestrations, but also a lot of electronic and synth-inspired stuff. This is definitely the most electronic-heavy she's gone, and it makes for quite a crazy listen. Like This is a really interesting companion piece to Lana Del Rey's record. Because it's both records by people who are, like, by women who are established kind of singer-songwriters in their kind of own lanes, blowing up, like, what they do, what they do widescreen. So, yeah, I recommend it to people who have ever liked uh, Angel Olsen's records in the past. I, it's definitely one of the best I've heard all year. So, look forward to seeing this on a lot of, peop- a lot of uh, sites, uh, year-end lists. Wow, it's that good. It's pretty good. Okay. All right. Uh, that's all I'll say about that, because we have to move on to video games now. We're still talking? We're still talking. We're still talking, as we have One video games. more section, uh, and then we're good. So let's do it. Alright, uh, we start video games with new releases. We do, what am I playing this week? I don't know what you're playing, <laughs> but here are the new releases. Okay. We have Children of Morta for okay. the PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Alright. The Ninja Saviors. <laughs> Dash. Return of the Warriors. Oh, I'm glad the Warriors are back. I didn't know they For the PlayStation and Switch. Okay. Well, this is how you get the Warriors to come out and play. Oh, 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 yeah. Good point. Uh, We also have Witcher 3. Wild Hunt. Wild Hunt. Colon. Complete Edition. For the Switch. And, lastly, we have a game you may or may not want to pick up. Uh Overwatch. On the Switch. Yes, Overwatch coming to the Switch. (laughs) The first time. Uh, yes, if you have, were not playing Overwatch before, or you want to take it mobile. Yeah. Now you can. Yep, now you can on the Switch. Uh, but, speaking of Overwatch, that's our first story. Okay, so, not about Overwatch, but yes, about their the company that makes Overwatch, Blizzard. Uh, so... If you haven't been on Twitter, on Reddit, on Facebook, on YouTube, on basically on any Dasher, type of, on Dancer, on Prancer, on Vixen, uh, uh, on Discord, <laughs> on Snapchat, <laughs> on social media, yes, yes. Uh, uh, on Instagram, on any social media platform, 
if you basically have been living under a rock or, <laughs> or for some reason stuck behind your Switch playing un- an untitled Goose game, yeah, you have for sure by now heard about the protests going on in Hong Kong mm-hmm. uh, in China. In Hong, in Hong Kong. Kong. I'm not going to call it in China. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Yes, because that is literally <laughs> the point. In Hong Kong. Yes. Um, the protests have been going on for a hundred days. Basically, the, 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 only, the, the really basic version of, of what's going on there is that they're protesting the Chinese government leaking more and more into their basic personal freedoms and democracy. Yeah. That's essentially what it is, is that... Hong Kong wants to exist as they used to, uh, which was when they were under British rule, per se. I'm using quotes for the word rule. Yeah. Uh, they uh, had the equivalent of, I guess, a sort of pseudo-democracy. But with China's intervention now, that's going. To, that's less and less the case. Well, it started with a lot of Chinese diplomats mm-hmm. making their way into Hong Kong legislation yes. and slowly... Changing the rules right. there, making it more keep, like China. To keep not only make it more like China, but to keep Hong Kong as a part of China by extending its freedom deadline. Yeah. Or freedom deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically the boilerplate version of this. It's probably more complicated, but we're not a politics podcast. No, we're not. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about no. Chinese politics. Well, I mean, kind of are, but we are. We kind of are because the story does go there. But right. we're also here to talk about video games. Yes, uh, and we're specifically Overwatch, and yes. the parent company of Overwatch are down the road neighbors, mm-hmm. Blizzard. Yeah, uh, as in sunny Irvine, California. As merged companies, Activision Blizzard banned a professional Hearthstone player from competitive events, and rescinded his winnings after he voiced support for the pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. The decision has led to sharp criticism, as not only was the player uh, banned, but also the commentators banned. Yeah. Um, the decision um, was sharp in the community, including calls for a boycott of Blizzard. CBS News reports that uh, Ning Wai Chung, a.k.a. Blizz Chung, was conducting a post-match interview when he shouted, Liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our times, um, which Blizzard found was in violation of its Hearthstone Grandmasters competition rules and indicated the offending rule, quote, engaging in any act that, in Blizzard's sole discretion, brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image, will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's total price to zero dollars. According to the rules. So yeah, uh, basically that means that technically Blizzard always had the ability to do this. This seems like something they probably don't pull the trigger on all the time. But this does qualify and check those boxes. So Blizzard is completely, you know, able to pull 
uh, to ban players and pull prize money. So that part is inarguable. Like, the players signed these contracts, they know that that's the case. That being said, that's not the story. The story is whether, like, basically is the larger conceit of this, which is Activision Blizzard is, what do you know, a business that does a lot of business in China. Roughly 15% of their business comes from China. So it makes sense, unfortunately, that they would be... uh, well, they would be likely, in this case, to ban a player who may be uh, saying some things that the Chinese fans, potentially, of Blizzard's work, or the government that could basically shut out Blizzard from putting their games out in China. As we noted earlier, that Chinese government has that ability to shut out entertainment, yeah. like we noted with South Park. Yes. And like, a di- like on a dime, too. Yep. Like a snap. And so... It's not surprising to me that a company like them would be quick to basically kick that person out of their their company, like their 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 image, their sphere. It makes sense, but it sucks because this gives a real bad look to Blizzard, who a company up until practically this year, the last year and a half, has a pretty sterling record. Like, I feel like we're finally getting to the point where people are talking about negative stories when it comes to Blizzard. There were years, decades even, where Blizzard was this, like, perfect child of video games. Yes, up until, I want to say, last year yeah. at BlizzCon right. when they brought out Diablo yes. for mobile right, and said, you all have phones, right? <laughs> It's just, I think it's because, and we knew this was would eventually happen when uh, the buyout, when the merger, I guess I should say, uh, with Activision happened, is that eventually Activision would have something to say about the business end. Mm-hmm. And here it is. This is definitely all of that is happening, finally. It's probably Activision pressure that to get Blizzard to do these things, even if it was somebody at Blizzard who made this call. It's still a broader broader plan to be as globally friendly as possible and having somebody take a side in a global conflict is not to that strategy it is against that strategy i would also like to note that this action was taken swiftly yeah very quickly. within 24 hours of him saying that he was booted scooted booted and <laughs> Removed uh, from the price was taken from. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, and the price wasn't some small price. It was a hundred thousand dollars. It's rough because usually when people talk about censorship and free speech, usually it's like, yeah, but companies can like can like doesn't count. Basically, companies can do whatever they want. It's it's no longer free speech at that point. It's because it's basically you're using it into like. You're on a company platform, basically, when you're streaming anything. Mm-hmm. So it's that company's, like, ability to basically shut you down. Like, we're not disputing that Blizzard had the legal ability to do that here. Unfortunately, it's not a free speech issue. Unfortunately, it's not a censorship issue. Because Blizzard has the contractual ability to shut them down. It is un- a bad un- and an unfortunate precedent when it comes to being able to use free speech, though, in the esports community. It's a bad look because just like it, it pretty much adds esports to the list of the NFL and recently the NBA, yep. 
with people, with sports leagues shutting down the ability of their players to make statements. Well, even in the, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. In the course of the NBA, it wasn't a player. Right. It was the Houston Rockets owner right. who made who shared a video and made a statement saying that he stands with, in support of the Hong Kong protesters. So yeah, it's is an and interesting time. As a result of that, because they the Houston Rockets are currently playing preseason games in China, that. The Chinese government is blocking the streaming of said games outside of outside of anywhere. That no one can watch yeah. Houston Rockets play right now. So yeah, I mean, and that the the NBA itself as an organization basically disowned the owner's statement, saying yeah. we don't stand with those. Yeah, until I guess recently they went back on it. No. Oh, I th- I had heard something that they ended up being like, oh wait. We were wrong. Then I don't know when that happened. Uh, that I might have been today. It could have been today. I didn't but see that. Regardless, I think that the takeaway here, uh, the one takeaway I will say from all of this at the NFL, the NBA, NBA, and now Blizzard, the takeaway here is you just can't look to corporations that have financial interest for your for like to be your moral guides, because they're always going to go where the money is. And Blizzard is just it, like they're. You can't look to them as these paragons of good. They're just not going to be that. You have to take this these like these things as proof that they're that that you're you're never going to get perfect politics when it comes to these like corporations because corporations are always going to follow money. I have a statement that I follow that I think most startups kind of follow. Yeah, it's never about the money. Until it's always about the money. Yeah, and in this case it is. In this case they've become so big that it becomes all about the money. Blizzard would love to engage in, like, the fans and let the fans say what they want and use their their winning as a pedestal. I mean, you you see it in esports happen in positive ways, too. Remember when... uh, Oh, oh, what's his name? The the guy who won the... um, the fighting tournament, who was uh, who was gay and a furry. Oh. And he used that basically as yeah. his, like, and he used his speech as, like, a big thing. Like, hey, I'm gay and I'm a furry and I just won this thing. Like, like we exist. Right. Like, and it was a really cool moment. Like, so that can happen. But if stuff like this is in the indication, companies that run these things can shut that kind of thing down. And, yeah, it just sucks. That's the that's the bottom line. It sucks, but they can do it. Yeah, I feel this also has that Streisand effect where this probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal if they hadn't done done it so quickly yeah. and so publicly. It was brutal, is what that it was. Literally everyone in the not just gaming community but like the whole internet instantly turned on Blizzard. Yeah. Because of this. That it's no longer just a fight in China, in Hong Kong anymore. Yeah. Keep making that mistake. It's no longer a fight in Hong Kong anymore. <laughs> a lot of people do, <laughs> apparently. Uh, apparently China's currently making that mistake. But yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously we're, again, we're not a politics podcast. We're not a world policy podcast. We don't necessarily have the knowledge responsible, like, to, to report on this super responsibly. But what we can say is that... These corporations, they're just going to follow the money. 
that I mean that is literally a say that is literally yeah. one of the things we say on this podcast. It's a business. It's, it's a business. At the end of the day, it sucks, but it is. At the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah. Anyway, we don't support this. Uh, the what happened? Certainly, I definitely don't. But it is what it is, and in the situation we're in, with you know the industry being as big as it is, these things are going to keep happening. Oh yeah, and it sucks. All right. That's it for video game news. Uh, well, we have the bits. Oh, except we have bits. We have some bits real quickly here. There were here. so many little things that dropped, especially within the last couple days, that I could not pick one single story. Little. Yep. So, so many got, little things. Little things. Let's are, talk about are some Are they bits. a million little things? No. Oh, good. Because that show is dumb and stupid and I hate it. Also, we'd be here all day if that was the case. <laughs> oh, yeah, so let's talk about the few, the handful of things. Well, first off, we have Sony basically confirming that uh, the next console cycle will begin next year, as they will officially, basically, they, they gave a launch date of yes. the PlayStation 5. Well, not a date. They gave a launch season. As, holi- yeah, as holiday, holiday 2020. That could mean November or December next year. I want to say it will be November. November. Be, that way you yeah. get that Black Friday yeah. rush. You're going to get that Black Friday bump for sure. But anyway, starting off the 2020 decade yeah. will be the PlayStation 5 and That's Xbox Original. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever they call it. The Xbox. <laughs> the Xbox. Uh, like the Ohio State. Yeah, PlayStation 5 is the real name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you confirmed, it will be called the PlayStation 5. Yeah, there was some... Little skepticism if they'll change the name, uh, as noted, um, the uh, PSVR was called Project Morpheus, so people thought they'd call it the Matrix or something. Nope, nope. Something like PS5. that. But nope, it's PS5. PS5. They're just gonna stick with it. Fifth one. Yep. Even though this is technically the twelfth generation. <laughs> I want to say, well, it's the PS5. It's been a lot of Playstations, but yeah, this is the fifth Playstation console, home console. Yes. Uh, but yes, that will be in twenty uh, holiday 2020, which ready. means come E3, we'll get basically yeah. our entire price we'll drop. probably see a box in Price the... drop and game launches and everything. Yeah, this means we're guaranteed to see a box next June. Yep. July. 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 Oh, no, it's June. June. It's June. June. Yep. Next June, we will see a box. So get ready. If not sooner, in PlayStation's own yeah, event. Yeah, they have some sort of event. Yep. We'll see. Um, also, Doom Eternal yeah. has been delayed to March 2020. Sorry for those who are looking forward to playing that this year. You will not be able to. Uh, but the Doom 64 will be pre-order bonus for the PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah, previously we had seen on the Nintendo Direct that it was coming to Switch. Now we have confirmed it will come to other consoles and as a pre-order bonus. So that's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, we also have Red Dead Redemption 2 coming to PC. This was rumored, but now it is confirmed. Via Rockstar's PC client and yes. Google Stadia. They did say that there may be a Steam version, but it will be after this happens. Uh, this is a good way to get Google Stadia yeah. up and running. yeah. And lastly, uh, Pokemon did a 24-hour yeah. live stream of the Galarian Forest. Yeah, this is at the locale in Sword and Shield, upcoming uh, later this uh, this year. Yes, uh, where they 
every three or four hours, it seemed, they would throw out a new Pokemon. Uh, so, that, <laughs> and one of them was a Galarian Ponita. Oh God, I love it so much. Ponyta. Yes, which is not a fairy, even though it looks like a goddamn unicorn. It's a unicorn, <laughs> and it makes me so happy. It is also she, uh, Pokemon Shield specific. Yes, I'm so happy. I know you're getting gar. shield. You're getting shield. Uh, I'm getting sword. Uh, but that does it for the bits. Uh, that brings us to thoughts. And yeah. Matt, you recently got purchased the package of Apple Arcade. Yeah, so let's talk about Apple Arcade. So a couple things uh, happened. The reason why we're uh, not live right now is because of Mac OS uh, Catalina, which is the new uh, Mac uh, OS. And, Catalina. Yeah, and with the bad, which means we couldn't do a live stream tonight, came also the good, which means that I can now try out Apple Arcade. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is Apple's uh, subscription-based uh, mobile game initiative where you can play... 100 uh, ex- some exclusive, others not exclusive, uh, mobile games uh, with no microtransactions or um, silly, like, um, tacked on things like that. Just straight up games for uh, the low, low price of $5 a month. Okay. Now, you do have one game that you noted here, but it just says Matt's Game of the Year. <laughs> That's all you have written down. Yes, it may be October, but I already know. So, yeah, um, but before I go specifically try uh, talk about that one, just real briefly. So, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, uh, it's a mobile initiative mostly, but as I said, with Catalina, it is also uh, compatible with Macs. So I decided to check it out. Um, I played uh, a hand, uh, just a handful of games. Nothing really stuck out. Honestly, my takeaway here with Apple Arcade is that it's not what I thought it was going to be. It seems like the kind of experiences that it offers are more like game, like indie games, and more like, like story-based than I was expecting. When I think mobile game, I think a mobile puzzle game. Mm-hmm. And really, there's actually not that many. The one that I was uh, interested in trying, uh, Card of Darkness, uh, which involves um, a developer I'm a big fan of, Zach Gage, who made uh, games such as Sage Solitaire and Flip Flop Solitaire. Yes. Uh, he teamed up with none other than the uh, creator of Adventure Time, Pendleton Ward, and made this game, Card of Darkness. Okay. Um, seems like that would be 100% my shit, right? Like, yep. Uh, it's not. I tried it. And it's just weird. The mechanic is card-based, but it's not based on an existing card game. It's based on clicking these cards as they appear. And it just seemed very random and, like, I don't know. It just didn't get me at all. And so I haven't gone back to it. Sometimes I feel you don't get me. And that's just what this game is? <laughs> yeah, it just didn't get me. Okay. I didn't get it, and so, like, I didn't play it for very long at all. And then, yeah, beyond that, there weren't that many games I was like, oh, this sounds cool. Except for one, which I was like, that I had heard about things about, and I mentioned on this podcast when we talked about it in new releases. Sayonara Wild Hearts. So, when we talked about it in the new release segment a few weeks ago, I said that it was a music-based game that was with a pop soundtrack, but I wasn't exactly sure what the gameplay was. Right. Well, that's probably on purpose, because... Playing this game is the best way to describe it. 
and I had you play this game you had before me the podcast, just so you'd know. But if I was going to try to describe this to people who can't see it or haven't played it, I would say, think of an endless runner and use that as the jumping off point. Basically, start with that premise where you are a character that is going forward, you are collecting things, and there is an occasional button press to progress. And but, there's obstacles in a way. Yeah, and there are obstacles. But then add on top of that all sorts of creative variations on that premise. That could include shooting things with lasers. That could include being in a car and drifting around corners. Mm-hmm. That could include uh, being on a boat in the, in the digital sea. That could include being literally in virtual reality in a game inside of a game. That could, that could mean being on top of a dragon. That could mean skateboarding. All of these things and more are in this game. It is, but control-wise, it is basically an endless runner. You are running forward, you are moving around, sometimes you're falling, sometimes you're climbing, sometimes you're, like I said, driving. But in general, you're collecting things. And this includes, like, little collectibles, bigger collectibles, and it is a score-based game. So you are trying to get um, a high score in each of the levels, and it does rank you. So it sounds very video gamey, and it is, at its heart, an arcade video game. It's very much a score attack kind of like heart, like challenging experience that is very skill and twitch based. But the music changes literally everything. That's the main thing I yeah. noticed when you had me play it was yes. the music and that soundtrack yeah. was super catchy. Because if you just describe the game, it sounds super boring and rote. It sounds like any mobile endless runner game. You're it like, sounds okay. like Super Mario Run. It's an endless runner okay. with a really kind of futuristic neon aesthetic right. to it. But that aesthetic, combined with the music, that's the game. And that's the heart. And that's where the experience comes in. Because, yeah, similar to kind of like a Tetris Effect from last year, it's the entire audiovisual package that makes this game what it is. Uh, so that is the key, it is the whole thing, and that's why I really suggest to play it, because if you don't play it, you don't understand what it's trying to do as well as if you did. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a really really cool experience to have. I really enjoyed um, the the like the the the. I thought it looked really cool. I thought some of the music's really good. It says it's a pop thing, but really it's mostly like pop in the vein of something like churches. Like an electro-pop kind of thing. Yeah, this yeah. is not necessarily pop because it does have a lot of that hard electronic sound yeah. to it. But it's, it also has a very jazz feel to it because it is very fluid into yeah. what you're doing, what you're collecting. It's really cool, though. And soundtrack by itself actually surprisingly stands up. Uh, let's do it on uh, Spotify today. Uh, separate. Separated from the game. And even though the game does accentuate it, and I feel like it, it is meant to be played as opposed to just listen to. It's still not bad, and, like, there's some talents uh, in the songwriting here. Uh, but, yeah, as I said, the visuals are equally as cool. There's some really cool stuff that happens um, in this game that you just have to see to believe, and I do not want to spoil a lot of it. Um, I don't even want to spoil the level I had you play, because I think some of the stuff that happens in that level, that first one I had you play, is just so freaking cool and goes with the music so well. Uh, there's just so many moments like that. This game is chock full of moments that I was just literally like 
smiling with my mouth opened while playing because I was just like, this is just the coolest thing in the world. It's so cool. Is just like my, if I was going to review it in a sentence, it's just like this game is just so cool. Now I want to post something to you that I've brought up before, but you always seem to bring up <laughs> is we don't count mobile games. Yeah, and that's the thing. This is not just a mobile release. You can play it through Apple Arcade uh, on on phones and um, on your Mac or iPad or Apple TV, but it's also thankfully available in um, on consoles as well. So you can play this on your Switch and PS4 right now if you're interested in a more big screen experience. And I do recommend you play this on a big screen uh, because I could imagine it being even crazier on a big screen with a big. Um, uh, like surround sound system. Well, you didn't mention Tetris Effect. Exactly, like Tetris Effect. I would say there's similar games in that way for sure. You want to blow this up to the biggest audiovisual experience you can have. Oh yeah, and if you are playing this mobile, play with headphones because I played this thing through twice with headphones on, and it was amazing. So yeah, um, it was quite an experience, uh, and. There is a story, I'll just say real briefly before before we wrap up, uh, there is a story there, and it is kind of cool. It's a, basically a metaphor for this woman's, uh, like, she got her heart broken. It's not unclear from what, but she's in a kind of a funk, because she's just, she got her heart broke, and she's just in, in the down in the dumps about it. And this adventure is kind of her going into her subconscious, almost, uh, in fact, it even refers to it uh, the the like the inter level like travel levels between the major boss fights. I'm using quotes here mm-hmm. uh, as uh, the heartbreak subconscious or heartbreak subcon, as it called uh, uh, a reference to Mario Two, <laughs> um, and um, it, it it uses that as kind of a metaphor for this. She's trying. It's a journey of self discovery for her, and you are fighting these people who are represented. Represented by tarot cards, which is fun. I noticed yeah. the tarot cards. Um, and it's a way where you could you could read it. It's open to interpretation, but there's a reading where you could be like, oh, she's trying to figure out using like these tarot cards what these things that she to deal with the, her past essentially, or parts of herself, or something. She's struggling with some sort of inner turmoil to get to the end of the game where she's able to, well, this is not really a spoiler, to get out of her funk and, like, like you know, up, like, have, a, like, the journey of self-discovery. Right, and you also noted to me that there's even more layers to this game yeah. with the whole Zodiac yes. secret missions. There are secret riddles in each of the levels that unlock when you do something special, and it doesn't explicitly tell you how. So there will be a lot of, like, sharing secrets on the Internet about this thing, too. So yeah, um, I love this thing. I played through it twice. Uh, well, I played for it, through it first in one sitting. All the way through. Then after you do that, you unlock an album arcade mode, which is a way to play it without having to go to the menu after every level. Because it is kind of presented as a score attack thing, and it is sending you back to the level select screen after you finish something, mm-hmm. which some would argue kind of defeats the purpose of the visual album it wants to be. Mm-hmm. But... After you beat it once, it does give you the option to play it as one seamless thing, too. And I played through it the second time. And, you know, some people on the internet are saying that they feel like that should be reversed. I don't necessarily agree. I feel like playing it through uh, with no interruptions was cool, but it didn't, like, 
lessen the experience I had with the game. I think the reason why they want you to compartmentalize it at first is because it's was de- developed in part as a mobile game. I think that it's piecemeal approach there fits more with the mobile thing than sitting at your phone for an hour and ten minutes to play the entire game would. I think people also I think people would prefer it the other way where you play it all in one and then go back into the chapter, go back to the album because mm-hmm. it's basically you want to play this chapter of the game, this section of the game not go back in and out, in and out, in and out but like I said, it is a mobile game. Yeah, so developed as a mobile game. It's I wonder how much of that is the, Apple influence. Yeah, because they did. According to the credits, they are in the credits as a co-producer for this, okay. which implies that the Apple Arcade deal made them involved in the production. Ah. So I wonder how much of that was them being like, "Well, you're kind of making this as a phone game too. Maybe present this in a more compartmentalized form." Just in case. Right. So, yeah, I don't think it was a bad... It definitely doesn't mess up the game, but I have heard that as an argument. That okay. some people think that it should be just a sit-down experience that's kind of like Journey. It's like, just sit down and have a thing. Right. Instead of coming back to it. But anyway, I'm going to come back to it a lot uh, because I really, really enjoyed it, and I can't imagine maybe Pokemon, but I can't imagine any other experience really being this for me this year because it's just one of the coolest things I've experienced in a long time. See, you say this now. <laughs> but, but Pokemon and Outer Worlds, both those games are We still have Pokemon, online. we have Outer Worlds, yep. we also have... Call of Duty Modern Warfare is getting crazy buzz. I, I don't mean, know if you've been tracking this, but the beta, I guess, has really impressed people. Uh, I mean, I said that I was... I liked what they were doing, even yeah. though it was very limited. Yeah. I liked what they did. Right. Uh, but no, the one I'm thinking of is Death Stranding this holiday yeah, season. I don't know. That, that, that's going to be weird, but is it going to be good? Well, it will be interesting if it can keep its narrative. Right, we'll see. And Hideo Kojima can go off the rails as we've seen. <laughs> yeah, that thing's going to be... There are no rails in the game. It's already off of them. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all I have to say about that, so... Um... Yeah, by all means, if you have Apple Arcade uh, or Apple devices, sign up for Apple Arcade and just try this out. Even if it's not your jam, it might be neat to check out, but I absolutely fell in love with this thing. Well, I I liked what I played. I don't know if I'm going to fully invest in it. But I think it I, works best as a full experience. Yeah. So uh, it's hard, But it's hard for me to be like, you should spend $12 on this because I don't know if you will like it as much as I did. So I don't know. Buyer, like, buyer be noted, but yeah, I I definitely recommend it. Okay. And, the, well, so that's a media boat patent scale. Let's go rent it? Yeah, I, I, Apple play I, it? I say play it. Apple play it? I definitely say play it. We don't usually do our scale of video games. I know. <laughs> anyway... Uh, that's it. Uh, yeah, I didn't play anything. Okay. Um, I played some Borderlands, but then oh, again, yeah. also not. I may have hit a wall of Borderlands. Yeah? I'm so, I feel like I'm close to the end, but Jesus. It is a long game. It's so much, and I think just the the, the rotation of, of just like the, the, oh, the repetition of the, the grind in that game. Yeah. With doing the um, side missions and stuff. 
it just it's getting on me like it's getting on top of me right now and i'm having a hard time coming back to it right now and i think sayonara wild hearts was a good palate cleanser (laughs) because it could not be any any more different different than that game so i don't know i may or may not come back to it to finish it i mean i'm so close i'm level 39 right you should be around there matter of time in theory right but man it's a grind to do everything in that Anyway. Well, that's a part of doing everything in that's, that game. That's the thing. I, I gave myself this task, so. I know. Normally, you don't do that. I'm really the one who does that. One game, I do that. I'm the I'm the one who gets everything. And usually, the I platinum don't. and everything. Usually, I don't. But Borderlands is an exception. I know. But yeah. Anyway. Anyways, that does it for us here yes. at the Meebo Podcast. Yes. If you have liked this podcast and want to see our faces, assuming yeah. we get Carolina to work for us. <laughs> We yes. will be back live next Wednesday around yes. 6.30 p.m. Pacific time, yeah. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to find us, you can search on YouTube. Search Media Boat Podcast. Find our page, like, subscribe, click that bell. You'll get notifications when we go live if you do that. Uh, you can get those notifications when we go live as I post it to our Twitter account as well, at Media Boat Cast. Yeah, it's true. Or if you want to watch me play some Borderlands... Twitch.tv slash Media Boat Podcast. Yeah. Media Boat Cast. Media Boat. Hashtag Media Boat. It's just TV slash Media Boat. Well, it's not video games. It's not video games, (laughs) that's for sure. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That'll do it. If you want to email us directly. MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, we will be back next week. Hopefully with our shit sorted out. (laughs) Hopefully. Thanks, Apple. Thank you, Apple, thank for you, delaying Apple, this. But also, thank you, Apple. And it's sarcastic. Yeah. Thank you, Apple. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. All right, bye. bye.